Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. One, one pitch. Fastball pulled and Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Now, here's Adam, Scott, Heath, and Chris. Well, yesterday, Alex Reyes Day. Today, we've got Bieber Fever. And he's arguably the most exciting pitcher coming back today. But there's also this guy, Clayton Kershaw, coming back today. Welcome, everybody, to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast. And what if I told you that I can get you a closer who has only allowed three hits in his last 15 appearances? Would you be interested in that, Kreeth? I would guess you were lying. Oh, I'm not lying. I mean, I'm kind of lying because he's not necessarily the closer, but you might want to go pick up <laughs> See, Kyle Bearclaw. <laughs> Kyle Bearclaw, yeah, Brad Ziegler, terrible. Don Mattingly not committing to Brad Ziegler anymore. How was your Alex Reyes day, guys? Disappointing. It was a phenomenal start. That, that first inning, just making Lorenzo Cain look silly. And not a lot of people have done that this year. Uh, as the start went on, the velocity went down. The control got worse. The manager got concerned. They went out and talked to him. He said, I'm fine. Nothing's wrong at all. I'm just throwing five miles per hour slower. Came, came back in the dugout, and they decided, you know what? That's That's enough. Yeah, it was interesting. He struck out two in four scoreless innings. In the first inning, I mean, he he really made them just look terrible. Just the awful swing. He's that good. Yeah, oh, I know. I, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I think if he's healthy, and they might have to do some tests on Reyes just to make sure everything's okay because the velocity was down to like 93, and he's closer to 100 at his best. Uh, I, he looked great. He looked great. I, I don't think you're discouraged, are you, if you're an Alex Reyes owner? Just disappointed. I'm starting him next week as long as everything looks fine on Sunday. Yeah, and his final, his velocity did dip, uh, but his final four fastballs were all in the 95 to 96 mile per hour range. They are planning to do some, I think they're having the training staff take a look at him, but not until, I think they said not until they get back to St. Louis, so that tells me that it's not a big concern. It, it, you know, Alex Reyes Day, as most days this season, have been ended up actually being Josh Hader day again. Oh yeah, you were quite blown away by Josh Hader yesterday. That was ridiculous. His first inning, he threw nothing but fastballs and got ten swinging strikes. I just I, that's <laughs> crazy. I keep that's wondering crazy. with a pitcher as young as he is that has been in starter in the past. Do you not see at some point what he looks like a second time through the order? I think they not this year. They're gonna go the whole year. I mean, that's that's what they talked about in spring training. They talked about in spring training like he was bunking with the relievers. He was sitting at the reliever lunch table. Their starting rotation is awful. I mean, it's complete trash. they got a great but lineup. Their bullpen's really good. Their bullpen's awesome. Great lineup. I just – give us a second half of Josh Hader starting. I feel the same way. I wanted them – I was watching the game on Facebook. Oh, people were not happy with Facebook. Like why? I love that so much. Uh, that that people were complaining about it. The best part was Chris not being able to figure out how to work the game on Facebook. I couldn't. I couldn't get to it. Why? How do you find it? I can't. I'm on Facebook. Like it sounded like I was trying to show my grandpa how to use Facebook. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it cut out a little bit, I guess, but whatever. Like, stop. Don't complain about no, it. No, Chris couldn't even get the game on. Well, it's, I mean, that's that's just weird. In my defense, the only people who still use Facebook are grandparents. Or people who want to post pictures of their kids. Uh, the Brewers are four and a half games up on the Cubs. And this year, I actually feel like they might be able to hold off the Cubs. What do you guys think? No. They, they need some pitching. I mean, I, no. I'm still going to pick the Cubs to win the division. And the, and the Cardinals and Pirates are right there, too, behind the Cubs, all within a game and a half of each other. Pirates six games back in Milwaukee. Pirates struggling lately. Um, I'd still pick the Cubs to win, but the Brewers, I, they have a better lineup than the Cubs, I think, top to bottom. Yeah, I don't think that's necessarily unfair. I think that's true. Yeah, top to bottom. Um, uh, yeah. And their bullpen's better. Let's, uh, but... yeah, um, I'm sorry. Let's, I didn't mean to detour too much from fantasy. So today was supposed to be a buy or sell day. It still might be. But I think yesterday was so... We did all this work in preparation. For, I did yeah, so right. Preparation. <laughs> 
you no, know, what you did do is trade trade work, uh, and you're going to give us buy low, sell high, uh, buy high, and a player you're concerned about, which is becoming a Thursday staple. But I just thought yesterday was so fascinating, uh, amazing pitching performances and terrible pitching performances that warrant a lot of discussion. So let's get right to it. Here's a segment called Fringy Starting Pitchers That I Think Kreeth Will Care About. Fringy starting pitchers that I think Chris and Heath will care about. Ross Stripling, he's not that fringy anymore. I looked in all my leagues to make sure uh, that he was not available, and in fact, he was not. I only own him in one. I had such a great fantasy night. I benched Ross Stripling this week for Fernando, Fernando Romero, so you can imagine how I feel. But, guys, this guy's curveball is a weapon. He's throwing it harder. His pitching coach told him just to throw that curveball as hard as you can. This is, uh, I think, like about 30 swinging strikes in his last two starts. It's only two starts with good swinging strikes, I'll say that. But are you buying Ross Stripling, who's done it against, you know, two good opponents in his last three, and he's 76% owned? I, I think, I guess it depends on what the, are you buying it, what it means in this scenario. Like, he has a 340 career ERA. I think he could probably be that moving forward, yeah. Well, if that's the case, he's going to be a must-own guy. Are you buying the strikeouts? He has 59 and 48 and a third, Ross Stripling. I buy him being better than a strikeout per inning. Are you buying Ross Stripling as a must-own player? Yes. Uh, are you buying that Heath will jump in? No. So. Is he just uh, stroking his beard right now? <laughs> do you just do that? That is what Heath is doing right I now. I do that pretty regularly. I was just <laughs> enjoying the segment. Yeah, I mean, you gotta get Ross Stripling. Would you drag, drop Zach Godley for Ross Stripling? I would not. You probably have a worse pitcher than Zach Godley. You'd think. Would you rather have Mike Fulton Evich or Ross Stripling? Fulton, uh, Stripling, easily. Stripling, okay. Like, let's try to close the gap a little between pitcher 35 and pitcher 80 in the rankings. What do you mean? That feels a little too dismissive. Of Mike Fulton Evich? Yeah. I, okay. I'm just going by ownership percentage. I know that, Fulty's owned in more leagues than Stripling. Yeah, I would rather have Stripling than Fulton Evans. For sure. All right, next time, uh, next pitcher that I think Kreef will care about, Junior Guerra, question mark. 44% owned, seven strikeouts and six scoreless innings against St. Louis. He now has 51 strikeouts and 54 and a third. Guerra has a 1.12 whip. He's at Cleveland next week. They are ridiculously good at home, so that's going to be a dangerous start. But what do you think about Junior Guerra? 265 ERA for Guerra. Uh, I like Stripling more. I probably like Mike Fultonevich more. Yeah, he's in the Fultonevich class for me. That it's just, I, I'm not going to be starting these guys in this way because they're going to be owned higher. But to me, they're still just guys that I'm completely starting based on matchup and based on what's, what they've done as of late. And I, I don't have any problem dropping them when they have a bad matchup. All right, next guy is Joe Musgrove, who is 55% owned. He's owned in more leagues than Guerra, fewer leagues than Stripling. Uh, so how would you rank Stripling, Guerra, and Musgrove? I might go Musgrove, Stripling, Guerra. Musgrove is my favorite for sure. He was actually going to be my buy high because I do think this is an opportunity, and you usually get made fun of, when you pick somebody up off the waiver wire and then after a week you try to trade them for something and the guy's like, I could have just picked him up last week. This is an opportunity where you can trade for the guy and not give much up that somebody just picked up off waivers and they feel like it's found money. And I think in a points league, that's a pretty good strategy because I expect if he stays healthy, he's probably going to be a top 12 closer rest of year. Right. Musgrove not, is not a closer. RP yeah. RP, right. He's RP eligible. So I guess if I could just throw a little skepticism on it, he doesn't throw particularly hard. He's not a soft tosser. That's the thing, though. He is throwing harder. He he's, has, but he's not throwing. I mean, I did watch the game last night. He's not blowing. He's not like a power pitcher. Right, but I mean, he's averaging ninety-five point five miles per no. hour with his fastball right now. Really? Yeah. I mean, through two starts. Now it was down a little bit, but last night he averaged ninety-four point seven miles per hour with his fastball. That would probably make him. That's pretty good. I would think one of the 20 hardest throwing starters in baseball. This is another situation too where we've got a little bit of a velocity discrepancy I think between the sites. Sure. Yeah, I didn't Fan, I didn't see Fangraphs that. has him at 93.8, which is just 1 mile harder than he was last year. Go down to pitch info. 95.5. So there's again. Yeah, that's the that's the pitch effects system. 
Um, I'm, so the other one you don't. I I prefer to use pitch effect. All right, now tell just, me how often he threw his fastball. Because this is uh, not a guy who was really, from what I saw, relying on the fastball. So He's changing I think speeds. what could here's what could be causing the discrepancy. We'll figure this out on air. All right. Maybe they're counting some of his cutters as fastballs because he's throwing his cutter more than he ever has. That's the the biggest change besides the velocity jump. Uh, he has abandoned his curveball. He's throwing his fastball. Actually, weirdly throwing his fastball a little less than he did last year, um, but throwing his cutter a lot more. And that would be a lower velocity pitch, the cutter. Yeah, he throws that. That one averages around 90, 91 miles per hour. Okay. So... You know, the bottom line is he's, he did a great job changing speeds. Joe Musgrove yesterday really seemed to have the Cubs off balance. Struck out five, walked four. That's not a good ratio, but the start before, no walk, seven strikeouts and seven scoreless, seven scoreless innings against St. Louis. Musgrove's a two-star pitcher next week. Now, it's not the easiest matchups. It's the Dodgers at home and the Cubs on the road, but I don't know that you're going to find two-star pitchers 55% on that have as much promise right now as Joe Musgrove, but I guess the other thing is like, he doesn't have what was it? As a starter last year, he had a six twelve ERA. He was bad, yeah. So I'm not quite over the moon yet. I, How I, many starts did he make last year? He had uh, seventy eight innings as a starter. So yeah, he made fifteen starts last season. He was bad. He was remarkable in the bullpen. And what makes me confident is, or excited, I guess, um, is the fact that when he was pitching as a starter last year, he was averaging per pitch effects, 92 to 93 miles per hour with his fastball. He goes into the bullpen. He's averaging 95 to 96. So far this season, again, with that system, he's averaging 94, 95. So he appears to have been able to sustain the gains he made as a reliever. Okay. Uh, so that's Joe Musgrove. Nate Evaldi and Brad Keller are two fringy pitchers that I think – Kreeth will care about, but to a much lesser degree than Joe Musgrove and Ross Stripling and probably Junior Guerra. But Evaldi threw six no-hit innings in his first start in a long time after two Tommy John surgeries. There's another guy who just wasn't very good. He's never had a whip below 1-3-1. He's a ground ball pitcher, high whip. Um, Evaldi's one of them. He's 16% owned. Brad Keller is 2% owned, who only threw three innings because he's not stretched out yet. But he said, keep an eye on Brad Keller. And he gave up one run on uh, three hits with three strikeouts against the Twins. So uh, what do you guys think about Evaldi and Keller? I think Evaldi could definitely get into that Fultonevich-Guerra tier. With, and he may already be there. He was he was faulty before faulty. He was a guy who always threw really hard, and we always thought he should be better than he is. And that makes me a little concerned that he's not going to be that good. But based on how well he pitched yesterday, you probably have to add him just because Somebody's going to in your league. Keller's interesting. He's never really struck anybody out in the minor leagues, and he hasn't struck anybody out yet in the major leagues. Um, but he is a guy that throws pretty hard around 95 miles per hour, and his four-seam fastball, they were talking about it on the broadcast last night, it's not straight at all. And he apparently spent a lot of time in the minor leagues trying to figure out why he couldn't throw his fastball straight, and they eventually told him stop trying to throw it straight. And uh, it's got a lot of downward movement. And I think he could be one of those guys that gets a ton of ground balls. It's just going to depend on what type of contact he's giving up. So I own him in two leagues, but it's a 24-team dynasty league and a 12-team AL only. Okay, Brad Keller. So let's go back to Evaldi real quick. Would you rather have Mike Miner or Nate Evaldi? Hmm, probably Evaldi. I'll say Miner. Would you rather have Shane Bieber or Nate Evaldi? Biebs. Bieb. All right, the Biebs is going to start tonight. Uh, fringy starting pitchers that I think Kreeth will not care about. I'm just going to guess that you guys won't be looking at these guys on waivers. Uh, Clayton Richard, Jose Arana, Sam Gavilio, and David Hess. Clayton Richard, Jose Arana, Sam Gavilio, and David Hess. I think Jose Arana might be decent. Yeah, I'm waiting for Heath to, uh, to kind of come on board because he's always like, he's not good. Well, like, that, that's the thing is that he was terrible last year, but had a 380 ERA. And now he's got a 398 FIP and like a, a 388 Sierra, both of which are better than average. He's getting more strikeouts than he did last year. He's not giving up as many walks as he did last year. 
he might be starting to turn because this is another guy who, you know, averages 95, 96 with his fastball, but's never been able to do anything with it. He appears to have found something, you know, like. Well, he hasn't found a win yet. He's 0-7. Well. (laughs) Jose (laughs) Arrania. He might not, but. And then that might, that'll, that'll keep him fringy just because wins are so important, but. I don't know. Like you look at the strikeout rate, you look at the walk rate and the ground ball rate, like everything is average or better right now. Okay. So that's Arrania. Is he your favorite? I'm not of this coming group? on board. All right. I'm not saying like he's 20% owned. So I, I imagine he may be an avail- available in a league where he could be semi useful, but I also Wins and strikeouts are pretty important. I don't really expect – I think he's going to be below average in both and may struggle to get six wins this year. So even if he's an average pitcher without wins or strikeouts, it's going to be hard for him to be helpful in anything close to a standard league. Give me your quick thoughts on Gavilio, who's you know got a 332 ERA, four walks, 22 strikeouts, and 21 and a third. Had a respectable start at the Red Sox yesterday. He will face the Yankees next week, and he's filling in for Marcus Stroman. But, you know, they if they want to get him in, Estrada's been terrible, and uh, Sanchez has been terrible. Sam Gavilio, guys, 6% owned. This is like the year of the Carlos Silva clones, because this is another guy like Mike Miles Michael, Michaelis, and uh, we'll see Shane Bieber, who has the same kind of profile, and Daniel Mangden, guys who don't really get a lot of strikeouts. I know Gaviglio has been so far, but... The track record's not there. He also just doesn't walk anyone. And, uh, I don't know. That, that's kind of interesting. But, uh, my assumption with those kind of guys is eventually it catches up to them, especially when they throw 88 miles an hour like Gaviglio does. And eventually working in the zone that much, you're gonna, you're gonna give up too many home runs. Okay. There we go. Time for the big news. Shane Bieber will make his debut today at Minnesota. Bieber is 23% owned. Uh, is it too late now to say add me? No, it's not. He's only 23% owned. Um, would you, do you want him before this debut? Before it's too late? Sure. This is, I, I wrote yesterday about, uh, just prospects who are having ridiculous statistical seasons and Bieber was one of them. He had a 2.5% walk rate, um, in the minors. He had, something like a 16 to 1 strikeout to walk ratio last season. We'll see the he's not like a huge prospect, not a top 100 guy prospect people didn't like didn't love his stuff, but at some point the results are so overwhelming that I I think I'm definitely interested in seeing what he does and I I'm adding him where I can. Yeah, I don't necessarily feel like I have a lot of room for him in a lot of places. It's going to be more of a watch and see thing. I may be making some claims later tonight in leagues, but I'm not adding him in, in any of my 12-team leagues. All right, that's uh, Shane Bieber. Kent is on the DL, and the Dodgers have called up Dennis Santana, who could make a start this week. What about Dennis Santana? Do you want to pick him up? I think this is now four starting pitchers on the DL for the Dodgers, which, by the way, is important because Ross Stripling I mean, it's probably the way he's pitching. He's solidifying a role, but you know they they do have a lot of arms. Uh, but anyway, uh, Dennis Santana, a prospect. Do you care about him for the Dodgers? So just in looking quickly, I guess he's a converted uh, hitter, and so mediocre numbers last season in in high A and double A, but he's been very good so far this season. Appears to have gotten some control issues. Uh, figured out and, you know, he, his minor league numbers are pretty interesting, uh, especially when you consider that the conversion from position player could have put him back. Are you a interested bit. in Dennis Santana? I'd add him in an LL. I'm only. interested in watching him. Okay. Definitely. I'd add him in a, in a dynasty league that was large. Look, Adam, you asked us about a guy we've never heard of. <laughs> we've all heard of Dennis I Santana. I do appreciate first. you killing time. Uh, so I can put you on the spot like that. Don Mattingly did not exactly commit to Brad Ziegler as the closer. It has been, I mean, just, they gotta get him out of there. He's just been terrible. And Kyle Bearclaw, he's walking guys, but he has, like I said, allowed three hits in his last 15 appearances. Bearclaw's 20% owned. Is that the guy to get in the Marlins bullpen? It has to be the, the first guess. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, again, I, 
we talked about it with the White Sox when they were bouncing back and forth, and I guess still are. This could turn into one of those situations on a team that wins 60 games. Yeah, and the problem is the Marlins have like three versions of Bearclaw with your second rider and Tyron Guerrero, but Bearclaw's been there the longest. He's been the best of them, so. He is, he might be there the, he might get traded the quickest though. Like, Bearclaw's getting traded. Oh, he has traded. a good month, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, that's why they've been so hesitant to go away from Ziggler, is they just want him to have a good month as the closer, so maybe somebody will give Excuse up Excuse me, you uncompetitive person. They are trying to win games. How dare you imply that Derek Jeter is doing anything but trying to win the most baseball games he can in 2018, sir? Derek Jeter is bad. Just go home, Heath. Reese Hoskins is likely to go on the DL with a fractured jaw. So Nick Williams has homered in three of his last five games. Nick Williams hit 288 with 12 homers in 83 games last year. He strikes out a ton. But Nick Williams is 12% owned. How's that porridge for Nick Williams? Too high, too low, or just right? 12%. It's a little owned. bit too low if he's going to be playing every day. He should be owned in 14 team leagues that have five outfielders. He should be owned in NL only. So I would guess he should probably be owned in 20 to 25% of leagues. Adam Eaton's going to begin a rehab assignment on Friday. He is eligible to return on June 8th. Fingers Ooh. crossed for Adam Eaton. Uh, you Darvish has triceps inflammation, but no structural damage. And Rob Manfred seemed open to an automated strike zone. Yes! Robot ups Robot now. I didn't even ups. put that. I, I fixed baseball yesterday, and Chris got mad about it because of his, uh, I guess because of the vi- visually appealing aspect of baseball. Um, but well, robot moving, ups. Look, definitely. moving the mound back without moving the bases would look bad. It wouldn't. It would. It wouldn't. It would. How many times do you look at a baseball field from a bird's Every eye single field? time. Every single time. I'm not paying for for 100 level tickets, Heath. So you're, you want to Marlins don't even have seats open that give you that view. You want to move the, the uh, you want to move the mound back. You move the mound back six inches, probably. That takes care of the velocity problem. Yeah, it's just going to lead to more you injuries. You open the strike zone up and give the pitchers the above the belt strike once again, and then you go back to the regular baseballs. And baseball is fixed. I don't think that they are intentionally going away from the regular baseballs. That was the takeaway I got from that that big research. That that I, all that I'm, research. Yeah, I don't think that they want us to believe they did. I mean, they can't figure out what's wrong with the baseball. They don't want this baseball. Brian Colangelo can't figure out what was going on with those Twitter accounts. I I I, I actually believe them because it was an independent study. It wasn't. Uh, I can't figure out what's going wrong with my diet. <laughs> All right, I did a Twitter poll. If I could guarantee you the same amount of innings for all four of these starting pitchers rest of season, who would you take? If I could guarantee you the same amount of innings for all four of these starting pitchers rest of season, who would you take? 13, uh, 1,350 votes. Scherzer, Kluber, Kershaw, Sale. Who would you take? Scherzer, Kluber, Kershaw, Sale. I'll take Scherzer. I'll take Kluber. And I, I was looking this up yesterday. Kluber. Over the last 365 days. The Indians have the best position player and the best pitcher in baseball. Well, you, sir, are almost in last place with your with your vote. Uh, okay, can I can I tell you? Can I tell you? Three hundred sixty-five days. Corey Kluber, one seven six ERA, .785 WHIP, two hundred fifty-one innings, twenty-three wins, three hundred twelve strikeouts. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying the people. I mean, that's okay. The people wanted Scherzer. <laughs> 52% said Scherzer, 25% Kershaw, 12% Kluber, 11% Chris Sale. So I was in third place, not yeah. last. I said second to last, second to last, which sounds so much more harsh than third. I'm, I'm, I'm on the podium. Let's talk about the really bad pitchers from yesterday and tell me if you're worried. We'll do trade talk in, I don't know, about 10 minutes or so. Sean Manaya. Sean Manaya had a great April, but in his last six starts, he has a 718 ERA. And only 19 strikeouts and 31 and a third. 6.7 strikeouts per nine. That's well below what we usually see from him, which is around 7.8 strikeouts per nine. Sean Manaya, awful yesterday. Pretty bad yesterday against the Rays. Patrick Corbin struck out 10, had 16 swinging strikes in six innings, but he gave up six runs on eight hits against the Reds. One quality start in his last five from, for Corbin. Fernando Romero and Ronaldo Lopez, I mean, just awful. I have so much Fernando Romero. This was <laughs> bad for me. Uh but let's start with the let's start with Manaya and Corbin, guys. They were the talk of the town for the first month of the season. 
what are you seeing from them, and how concerned are you, Heath, about Manaya and Corbin? I am not really that concerned about Corbin. He got the 10 strikeouts. He's going to have some good starts and some bad starts, but I still think he's a top 30 starting pitcher. This start really didn't do anything to change my mind about that. I wouldn't say that I'm concerned about Manaya, but I was pretty skeptical of what was going on anyway. So he still, to this day, has a 225 BABIP against. His K per nine is down to 6.7, and even if you want to look at K percentage, 18.4%. I don't think I'm worried that I'm going to have to drop Sean Manaya. And I would have started him last night against the Rays, even though they've actually been above average against lefties this year. But I just, I don't think Sean Manaya is a, he's a, he's a low end middle of the rotation starter. The thing I struggle with with him is he's not getting any strikeouts, but he's still getting a decent number of swinging strikes. It's down from last year, but it's above average. So that, that's, that's what's hard to reconcile, and it makes me think that maybe there's just some tweaks he needs to make to the way he throws uh, to to unlock a little more potential. I still, I still, I'm I'm definitely worried about the damage he's done to my season-long ERA over the last six weeks, but I still believe in him as a mid to high threes ERA guy. That's Manaya. Corbin, I do think the velocity if he's throwing a 90, 91 mile per hour fastball. I know the slider's great, so I think he's going to be able to get strikeouts. But I do worry about the results. If, not that, you know, I, think, I don't think he's going to be terrible, but I do worry about the results for Corbin if he's still, and it's been six starts in a row where he's throwing about 90 miles per hour with the fastball. I think Patrick Corbin will continue to be effective while he's throwing 91 miles an hour. The thing that I continue to go back to is just, can he, is this a sign of a, a latent injury that just hasn't, like manifested itself in a way that like forces him out yet. That's this is the lowest fastball velocity month he's ever had. And it's not particularly close. Yeah. Well, again, I say this every time it could just be a mechanical thing and maybe they tweak it and you get back to having a dominant pitcher. And that's the hope with Corbin uh, with Fernando Romero, 80% owned and Ronaldo Lopez, 62% owned. Would you have any hesitation dropping them? I would not drop Fernando Romero. I can give you the optimist's take on both of these starts. Oh, please. Uh, Romero's a young pitcher with a lot of talent, and I think he just got a little bit distracted last night. There was some pretty bad defense behind him. Things didn't go well. They were throwing the ball over the place for on a couple of plays, and he just ran into some bad luck, and then the, then the Royals just hit the ball really hard. I'm not worried about one start with that happening. Lopez could be dropped, probably should be dropped in some places. I'm holding on to him just because I'm hoping he can deliver on his upside. It's not because I want to start him on a regular basis. And the optimist take on this one was he gave up one extra base hit. Okay. okay. He walked one batter and gave up one extra base hit. Chris, Chris is going to scoff at that. But no, it's, no, it's, it's true. That, like, that is true. He did only give up one extra base hit. I just think like we have 155 innings of evidence of him in the majors he doesn't get strikeouts he doesn't have good control he gives up a lot of fly balls he throws hard but that's kind of the only positive you can take out of Reynaldo Lopez major league career he, so far he he has these the, the difference between him and most guys that have a 6.19 k per nine is that he has two or three starts this year where he looks like the strikeout pitcher we thought he was going to be well, we, we've talked about a lot of pitchers today. We talked about Musgrove. I'm not, Stripling is an easy call. And I guess Musgrove is too, but he's actually owned in fewer leagues than Ronaldo Lopez. You'd make that switch right now. Yes. Would you, yep. would you drop Fernando Romero for Musgrove? That would depend on my pitching staff. I would hope I have a worse or a less interesting pitcher. I would rather have Fernando Romero on my bench than Joe Musgrove. But if this is a points league where I can start Musgrove as a SPARP, I'd rather have Musgrove. Would you drop uh, Ronaldo Lopez for Nate Evaldi? No. No, but probably just because Nate Evaldi was like he's Joe Musk or uh, Ronaldo Lopez with ground balls. Well, he's Ronaldo Lopez four years later and never figured it out. He's had better seasons. He has, but we don't have any. Uh, the, like, what I'm saying is there. At when you look at the skill set, 150 innings is a big sample, but All it's right. not a very big. All sample. All right, let's wrap this up. 
we're, we're done. We're done here. Let's move on. I got to read an important email. It's from Jeff in Detroit. It's a great email. Jeff says, my wife purchased some great seats to the Tigers-White Sox game last Friday using SeatGeek. She used the code today to save 10 bucks. She was impressed on how easy it was to select seats and to purchase. She says the seat selections were better and cheaper than those other ticket sites. Thanks for the promo codes. Jeff, you're very welcome. I am glad you got to go to the Tigers-White Sox game. I don't remember who won, but I hope it was the Tigers for your sake. Now, that is SeatGeek, and that is one of two promo codes you can use. I will be using the promo code today, next time I go to a baseball game, for 10 bucks off MLB tickets. But I've obviously already used SeatGeek a bunch of times for concerts, for comedy, um, for, for games in particular. And if you haven't used SeatGeek, download the app or go to SeatGeek.com and use the code FANTASY for 20 bucks off your first SeatGeek purchase. FANTASY is the code. And I'm telling you, what Jeff says, it's true, that you just get better prices. Think about the difference. If you're talking about sites that just have one source for tickets or a site like SeatGeek that goes out and searches multiple sources, of course, you're going to get the better deals. You get more competition. You get more choices. That's how you get better prices. Fantasy is the code for 20 bucks off your first SeatGeek purchase. And today is the code for 10 bucks off MLB tickets. Either use Fantasy or today to save either 20 bucks or 10 bucks on SeatGeek. I do have a little bit of buy or sell. Buy or sell, Luis Severino is a top five starting pitcher. Sell. Probably sell, but he's like six. Who's ahead of him? Just Verlander, Morton? Verlander, Cole. Not Morton, I meant Cole. Scherzer, Kluber, Sale. The big four, the big four. Kershaw. Hopefully. Yeah, actually, that's a good question. I mean, Kershaw's back today, so. we'll, We'll just barely sell Severino. So who's going, who's going Severino over Kershaw? Anyone? No. I could very easily talk myself into it. Okay. Severino, I think, is the number four pitcher points right now. Uh, here's a buy or sell from Kevin in SoCal. Dear Jim, Jules, and Charles, and Kevin adds, Brockmeyer is a fantastic show. And those greetings are from Brockmeyer. Buy or sell, Matt Kemp will make the all-star team this year. And Matt Kemp will be top 10 in batting average at year's end, currently leading the league with a 345 batting average. Sell both. Yeah, I'll sell the all-star team. The batting average will depend on whether he can hold off Nicholas Castellanos and Scooter Jeanette for the BABIP title, probably. He's at 405 right now. Yeah, this is a guy in Kemp who uh, has not hit better than 287 in any of his previous five seasons. But he really, I mean... It's amazing. He's batting 345 with seven home runs. He's the number 48 outfielder in points leagues. Yeah, he must get pulled in the I think in like he does. the fifth inning of a lot of games because yeah. he's played 53 games and only has 180 plate appearances. I think that's what it is. Kemp is 66% owned. Um, I see who we could compare him to. Would you rather have Matt Kemp or Jay Bruce? Jay Bruce. I'll stay. I'm not as optimistic as Scott is about Jay Bruce figuring things out, but I would still take Bruce. Would you rather have Matt Kemp or David Dahl? Who, by the way, is dealing with a shin injury. That's why he hasn't been playing. I'll one still of, take Dahl. One of the reasons. I'll take Kemp. All right, buy or sell. Mark Melanson will be San Francisco's closer at some point this season. Buy. I'm going to sell. You think they stick with Strickland? I think they'll stick with Strickland. Strickland's got 11 like, saves. I, I think Melanson may get a save this year, but I don't yeah. think there will be a month where he's getting more than Strickland. All right, Melanson's coming back possibly tomorrow. Buy or sell, John Gray should not be owned in 10 or 12 team leagues. Sell. Sell. He got squeezed last night. Oh, that was the other thing. What was the game I was watching? I think it was the Dodgers game. Uh, the announcer said that the umpire in the Dodgers game had the smallest strike zone in baseball. So even more good stuff from Ross Stripling. If it was, in fact, the Dodgers game. Uh, no, it was, oh, crap. It was either it might Do- have the Rockies game. It was the Dodgers or the Pirates. It was one of the two pitchers that we've been talking about. Those are the games I watched yesterday. And I also watched the Yankees game. I'll ask you about Dallas Keiko in a second. Quick bullpen notes. Jerry's Familia pitched the eighth inning. Uh, they wanted him to face the heart of the Braves lineup because Zellman got a save. Corey Knable got a save, but Josh Hader could have had the save. He ran into a little bit of trouble in the ninth and got pulled. And Knable came in and had a one-out save, his fifth save, his fourth in the last ten days. And Ryan Tapera stunk yesterday in a non-save situation. So I was pretty excited about Tapera. I hope that doesn't remove him from the closer's role. We'll see. Blue Jays aren't winning much these days anyway. Uh, hey, real quick. 
Dallas Keiko or Blake Snell? This seems like an easy call. I think it has to be Snell. Yeah, I think it's Snell. Uh, in points, it's not an easy call. Because I do expect that Keiko's going to throw a lot more innings than Snell. Are I am mm. the Keiko fan, and I'm a touch worried about Dallas Keiko. I, there was a quote from Austin Romine, Yankees backup catcher. He said that they, you know, after you've seen a guy so much, you pick up on his tendencies. And, okay, that's true for any pitcher. Keiko does rely a lot on, well, pounding the, the bottom edge of the zone. And I just wonder if he's been figured out a little bit. Well, how about this? Something that we've we've talked about a lot over the last couple of years is how when pitchers get older, they have to stop relying on their fastball more. The fastball just loses effectiveness. You have to become a little less predictable. Dallas Keuchel is not throwing his sinker as much. It's not a huge drop. It's from 53 to 45%. He's throwing his cutter twice as often as he did last season. And that, to me, might be a sign that he's just he's losing it a little bit. I think well, he might be he, pitching up in the zone a little bit more, Heath. We looked at that like a month ago. Yes, and his ground ball percentage yeah. is down to 54.8%, which the only time it was that even close to that low, it's never been that low, but it was 56.7% in 2016, which wasn't a great year for him. Right, that was a bad that was a bad year for him. So Keiko last night gave up four runs in five innings. He, two of the runs were just kind of a joke. I mean, like there was a blooper from Judge, and then there was a sing, a ground ball single through the past the shift from Sanchez. But when you don't miss bats, that stuff tends to happen. All right, hey, real quick from Kyle sent this one in. Kyle in Grand Rapids, Scooter Jeanette or Daniel Murphy, rest of season. Murphy, Murphy, but Scooter Jeanette's very good. All right, let's do some trade talk here. Give me one of each. Give me a buy low, a sell high, a buy high, and a player you're actually concerned about. Heath, start me off with a buy low. A buy low. I love the buy lows. I actually made a list this time, did some okay. research to come up with guys that I wanted as buy lows and sell highs, and I wrote down all of the names except for the buy low. Oh, man. Well, would John you like- Gray. There you go. Thanks. I will, uh, I'll, I'll have it shortly. By John Gray, he's very good. And he's been able to, in his career, John Gray's been able to navigate Coors Field. He's been better at home than on the road, I believe, in his career. Uh, so, okay, I like that. John Gray by low. I, I'm gonna try to do that. He, and I he, think it's easier after last night when, yeah. again, I, I, I don't think he was as bad as last night's numbers looked like. And he just, they just yanked him because things weren't going well. He got a little frustrated with the strike zone. Would you rather have Fernando Romero or John Gray? John Gray. Yeah, I would too. The guy, the buy low that I, I was just offering as a suggestion because I'm not sure how I feel about this is Matt Olson. I mean, he's still crushing the ball. Matt Olson has a 52.2% hard contact rate. It, it, it was 40.3 last year. His home run to fly ball ratio, we knew it would go down for Olsen. It was 41.4% last year, but it's 14.5% this year. Now he is hitting fewer fly balls, but they've basically, basically been replaced by line drives, not ground balls. Um, so Olsen's been terrible. Do you think he's a buy low? 100%. I think that's a great call. Well, I wouldn't say it was a call because I'm not committed to it, but thank you. Commit! <laughs> no, I don't want to commit. I didn't, I didn't draft any Matt Olsen. I stayed away from him. I just, was afraid of a guy. I, he was a first round pick, right? I can't really say he came out of nowhere. But yeah, we didn't we didn't mention Matt Olson at all last year until he got called up and homered every other at bat, basically. Um, and we knew that was going to fall a little bit, but it has fallen too far. All right, Heath, who's you got a buy low? Well, there's a couple of them. Anthony Rizzo, I think, is still a buy low, and I think you should still be trying to do that. Uh, but I talked about him last week, I think. I got some questions this week about Nelson Cruz. And yes, I would be happy to buy low on Nelson Cruz. He had a big game yesterday, right? Yes, he had he a big game. did big not game. hit a home run yesterday. I know that. He did hit a home run. Somebody shows him in dong chasers and no dice. Uh, he's hitting 239. He's got a 252 BABIP. The strikeout rate is actually down from where it's been the last couple of years. The hard contact rate is almost exactly what it's at for his career. So is the soft contact rate. Line drives are down a little bit, but that doesn't really worry me that much. Nelson Cruz, I think, will be fine. 
All right, so that's buy low on John Gray, Matt Olson, Nelson Cruz. Sell high, Chris. Ozzy Albies. He's been not great in May already, but I think there's still a perception that he is among the elite hitters in baseball, and I think he's still a top 10 overall in Roto. Uh, I was looking at that yesterday. He has a 7-10 OPS in the month of May. I I love the talent, and I'm not doubting it at all, but I think the outrageously good April that has been coupled with a decline in plate discipline, I think that might have overstated the gains he's made. Okay, Ozzy Albies. And, and you can still sell him really high. Right. Like, if I could get Brian Dozier for him right now, I would do that in a second. Okay, how about Heath A. Sell high. I'm going to go back to Matt Boyd. I started to kind of question myself for a couple of starts, both against the Mariners when he struck out 15 batters in 12 innings. And I thought, you know, if, if he starts striking guys out, he might be able to keep this up. He's got four strikeouts and seven walks in his last nine innings, and he's only given up two runs. I just, like, I don't, if he does what he's doing for the entire year, he will be one of the first pitchers ever. He's got a 31% ground ball rate, 7.1 Ks per nine. Not very good, or at least not elite control, but not really very good control. I just think this is all going to blow up. And the best part is, a lot of people will look at the FIP to see, well, does, has he, has he been this good? He's got a 348 FIP. You look at the other peripherals, though, 4.93 XFIP. And a lot of that's just because he hasn't given up hardly any home runs, a 4% home run to fly ball ratio this year, and 4.67 Sierra. If you can get anything for Matt Boyd, I would take it. Ozzy Albies, Matt Boyd. We also said John Lester and Jake Arrieta are good sell-high candidates. Buy high, Heath. Well, I already told you. I kind of gave this one away earlier in the show, but it's Joe Musgrove. In a points league especially, I think you could possibly give away a bench hitter and get Joe Musgrove. You could definitely give away a third outfielder and get Joe Musgrove. And I expect he's going to be a top 12 reliever for the rest of the year in points leagues. Chris, buy high. I'm completely buying Jammer Candelario. I think he's really good. Uh, I think he's going to hit for a good average. Probably, you know, not near 300, but I think there's room to grow from the 272 average he's at. Uh, I buy the power. I, I really like Jamer Candelario. Yeah, and I think uh, I was gonna, I've been meaning to bring up Candelario again because every time we talk about him, it's usually like, well, he's going to be better in points leagues or OBP, but I almost feel like we've been selling him short. Uh, so, okay, good. Jamer Candelario. Player you're actually concerned about, Chris Towers. Tommy Pham. I uh, think I mentioned it yesterday, but he has... I think it's like a 40% strikeout rate over the last 15 games. I didn't see what he did yesterday, but... He pinch hit. Yeah, so... And I'm not worried about him losing playing time necessarily, but given his history, given the the nature of what has held him back in the past, you know, a lot of injuries, yes, but also those vision issues. Yeah, he struck out 27 times in his last 70 plate appearances. For most players, I'd be willing to write that off as... uh just a bad couple of weeks, but it's harder to do that with him. With Tommy Pham. And Heath, a player you're actually concerned about. I've got two for you, Adam. Ooh. Gregory Polanco is the first. He's not playing against lefties right now. He's not hitting like he deserves to. Austin Meadows is the future and playing out of his mind. I, I'm very worried that Gregory Polanco in a couple of weeks we're asking, should we just drop him? Yeah, totally. And then the other one, and I sent a tweet about this that apparently you didn't see, Adam. I, I, I know you would have retweeted it. <laughs> uh, Didi Gregorius. Over the last month, he's basically been Alcides Escobar. The walks have started to disappear. And the thing that really, like, there's, we worry about lefties that don't hit lefties very well. So far this year, he has a 670 OPS against them. We talked about how last year, we still had power on the road last year. He's got a 674 OPS on the road this year. If he isn't good at all against lefties or on the road, you're not going to have a lot of weeks where you feel great about starting. Uh, I mean, I still feel like Didi could, could be a top 10 shortstop. I just don't know about top five anymore, but... 
it's just been a terrible month. I mean, he batted 151 this month and five hits in his last three games. So hopefully he's snapping out of it a little bit. It's been weird. I mean, this is the first time in, in three seasons, I think, that Gregorius has looked like this. Cause he's had two and good years in a row. Part of the batting average part of this whole equation is just bad luck. He's had just an atrocious BABIP this month, and his BABIP for the year is not very good. That's not the part that I'm really worried about. Like, yes, he should be, he should have a better average, but it's just, it's the other struggles that I think could maybe stick. Yeah. Well, I think the fact that he walks 16 times in April and four times in May, you know, all the walks kind of made it look like DD was perhaps on his way to being like a true top, I don't know, 60 player. And now I feel like he might just be more like a top one, 100 to 120 player, which is kind of where he was drafted, right? You know? So is that how you feel? Or do you think he's even worse than that? I, do, I don't know. I am, I was skeptical of him being a top 120 player coming into the year. I think he'll be better than he's been the last month, but shortstop looks pretty awesome right now. Top 10 is a more difficult task than we thought it was. And I just, if we go back to a buy high, I mean, we kind of mentioned him indirectly, but is Austin Meadows a buy high? I can't. I don't think so, no. Um, I think he, I, I do share Heath's concerns about Gregory Polanco mostly because I just, I'm not sure he's going to play, but I still, I'll, I'll go down with the ship, I guess. And it's not so much that I don't, like, I think there is a, a much better chance than I thought a week ago and definitely two weeks ago that Austin Meadows is playing five days a week for the rest of the year. I didn't really even consider that a possibility two weeks ago. So he, he's done that. It's just even if he does, I don't know that he's better than a top 45, top 50 outfielder. Mm-hmm. And I think his price is probably higher than that right now. Well, that's the thing. I mean, I, I feel like people might not be buying Austin Meadows because they just think he'll be a rotation player or something. And, I, you know, he has I would been... guess over 50, 50, over 50% of people are not buying Austin Meadows. But I would guess well over 50% of Austin Meadows owners are buying. Yeah, I'm, I'm anticipating some, you guys are idiots. You don't know what you're talking about tweets and emails about our Austin Meadows takes, uh, pretty soon. So I, I would guess there are some people who are very bought in. Nobody says you guys are idiots. I mean, I, I don't get that a lot, but. <laughs> oh, I, yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's, uh, let's do some news and notes. Colorado yesterday, I mentioned, uh, how's Colorado at home? Do we have to reevaluate that? They, Entered yesterday's game fourth in home OPS, so they See, are that, quite good at home. That tells me that this is still a bad lineup. Because the Rockies should be far and away. Like, they should be a team that you just go out of your way to avoid at home, and they haven't been so far. Well, I mean, fourth in OPS, they should be. Right, fourth in home OPS, like, that's, whoa, I'm worried about it, but it's not like I'm benching a top 20 starter no matter what. That depends. Like there are there are a couple offenses I give them a pass for being behind in home OPS. Well, who do you the think Yankees they are? are they, have, they have a 795 home OPS, which is Fourth. like that's good, but it's not. That doesn't scream I need to avoid this offense. Well, that, I mean, it's interesting. Boston's one, Cleveland is two, Yankees three, Rockies four. Um, yeah, I mean, like an 807 OPS doesn't really scream I need to avoid this offense. That's what the Yankees have, but it's pretty. It's like a 795 OPS for a team is probably better than right. we you're, think. You're sitting the 30th best starter. You're sitting Zach Godley in Colorado, but you're probably not sitting Zach Ranky. Sure, yeah. Yeah, all right. Urban Santana's rehab has been stopped due to, due to a finger issue, which is why he's, you know, out to begin with. So that was bad news for Santana. Steven Matz is day-to-day with a strained finger. Jeff Samarge is on the DL with shoulder inflammation. Zach Cozart was scratched with forearm tightness. David Dahl has a bruised shin. Joe Panic could return on Friday. Byron Buxton's on the DL. DJ LeMayhew will be back on Friday. Austin Meadows started yesterday in center field. He batted second. Starling Marte had the day off. And Meadows drew his first two walks of the season. I think he now has two walks to three strikeouts. Juan Soto led off. Probably tomorrow we should talk more about Juan Soto. He's been terrific. Uh, this, you know, I've been waiting to see if they were gonna, if the Blue Jays were gonna get Luke Maley in the lineup more. He has been in the lineup more. They've been moving Russell Martin all over the place, but Luke Maley has no hits lately. He's been uh bad, so I guess that doesn't really matter. And for the Yankees, Brett Gardner and Greg Bird sat against a lefty. Personally, I don't expect that to be the case every lefty, but it will happen occasionally. 
And I'll be starting Greg Bird next week. He has pretty good matchups. Only one lefty on the schedule, and it's Steven Matz, and we don't know that Matz will pitch. But no games at Yankee Stadium. No games at Yankee Stadium, but at Toronto and at the Mets. Um, all right, are these guys back to normal? Or maybe we should wait for this for tomorrow for this. These are important segments. I want to look at Paul Goldschmidt and Carnacion. I want to look that was at shocking. <laughs> the the sound that Chris made. Why my what? shock sound? What was it? Can, can you? It was a it? sudden inhalation. <gasps> <laughs> it was uh, alarming. I was in a I was in an elevator over the weekend, the 99th floor of the Willis Tower. It was all the way at the no. top. Nope. And it started like, dr- nope. like dropping. Like nope. Nope. It probably was dropping nope. just a few inches. Nope. But it it was like, oh my god, this is terrifying. Nope. So you're not an elevator guy? I'm not a heights person, no. So what would you have done if you had been invited to that rehearsal dinner at, in the Willis Tower on the 100th floor? <sighs> or How floor? good of a friend is it's it? My best friend. I, <laughs> I was would the be best really, I would really be upset with my my friend for knowing my my fear of heights and inviting me to that. Were there window seats? I mean, that was the whole point. You could okay, see so out. I got I got married on the roof of a skyscraper, the 42nd floor of a building. That's nice. And it was like just low level anxiety throughout the entire night for me. Um, and 99 is a lot higher than 42. I don't know if you guys know that. But at that point, does it make a difference? I think so. I don't think it does at all. I think it does. <laughs> you're, you're splatting the same regardless. Uh, no. Yeah, I, I skip the <laughs> let's go to the tall building tourist experience. No. No. Yeah. Well, the elevator thing was really scary. It was. Yeah, no. We had to get. We were, we were supposed to take it down to like the 67th floor. We had to just press the highest button to get the hell out of the elevator. Um. Yeah. To get to the top of the Willis Tower, you have to take one elevator to the 66th floor. Yeah. Then you have to get off. You have to go to another another bank. Take an elevator to the 67th floor, one floor up. Then you have to get off there. Take another bank to the 99th floor. I think it was. Um, all right, so we'll, we'll save uh, Goldschmidt, Encarnacion, Hanniger, Odubo Herrera, Yoan Moncada for tomorrow. Let's do the Ono meter. It was such a great segment yesterday. Uh, zero to ten on the Ono meter, and the numbers correspond with the uh, percentages we think they should be owned. Miguel and Duhar, 68% owned since April 1st, which is when he played his first game. He is, t- he is 20th in points, 18th in Roto at third base. That's despite 17 doubles, a pretty good number. Miguel and Duhar. Four. Six. Okay. Um, Mac Williamson, 29% owned. Four. Four. All right. It could be a little more owned, Mac Williamson. Mac Williamson or Matt Kemp? Matt Kemp. Kemp. Diamondbacks catcher John Ryan Murphy. He has four homers in his last six games. He's 5% owned. 2.5. Sure. Harrison Bader, Cardinals outfielder, homered in two straight games, 5% owned. Uh, is he playing every day? I think he's played two games in a row. Um, yeah. Marcelo Zuna's hurt. Dexter Fowler's terrible. I would expect that either Bader or O'Neill is getting traded. I'll say two. I think O'Neill is the better fantasy prospect, so I would go one for Bader. And here's a segment called Let's Just Do Yesterday's Show Again. Brandon Nimmo, Fran Mill Reyes, Max Muncie, and Max Stassi, we're all good again. <laughs> uh, oh, we're doing Onometer? I thought that was just a statement. <laughs> I don't want, I don't want to do the Onometer for these guys. No, I don't either. I can't remember what exact Cons- number I consistent. said. And well, yeah. Reyes is homered in three straight games now. And Nimmo's got 21 runs in 25 games as a leadoff hitter. And Max Muncie's been red hot. And Max Stassi homered off Luis Severino and he's 12% owned. Yeah, Stassi needs to definitely be owned in a lot more leagues because he's a catcher. But what happens and when, what happens when McCann comes back? You're gonna have to find a second catcher. You, you drop money. If I if I have Stassi. like the thing is in a lot of two catchers leagues, especially with all the injuries, there's four or five teams that are starting just awful catchers. Yeah, like I'm I'm starting both Braves catchers right now in one league. It would be better for Chris to start Max Stassi over over one of them for sure. Okay. Uh, I think that's going to do it for that. Let's look at today's matchups. Unless you have anything to say about, like, Paxton, Hendricks, Otani, Eduardo Rodriguez, or Julio Tehran. 
no. Otani was very good. Um, he's amazing. He's, he's incredible. It yeah. just, it's, it's going to remain extremely frustrating. Like this was frustrating because his start got shut short because of a, a rain delay. The second one, I think, Two, in yeah. the game. Yeah. I will say, like, in the one league I own him in, it's a little bit frustrating, but, like, it's been a win. Yeah. So let, let me actually see where – why don't we do today's matchups, and I'll try to look up where Otani ranks among starting pitchers. I'm going to guess it's in the 60s, but it might he might be up to the 50s after the day after his most recent start. All right. Today is Bieber Day. It is also – Ryan Carpenter day. He is starting for the Tigers. He is an 831 ERA. This is going to be his third start. I did not even know that Ryan Carpenter had made two starts. Dang it. She was going to be on next week's segment of <laughs> who does this guy play for? <laughs> now I know. I'll probably forget by then. Andrew Heaney at Ryan Carpenter. Start Heaney. Andrew Heaney. All right. The, the Rays are going bullpen. Daniel Mangden against the Rays. Uh, yeah, I'll start Mangden. I'll start Mangden. I I feel like the wheels are going to fall off, but hopefully not. I feel like maybe it's just you get to the point where you own a player and you've expected to start him, and you're just like, forget it, man. I drafted him. I'm starting him. That's what I'm doing with Sonny Gray tonight at Baltimore against Andrew Kashner, and I will be sitting Kashner. Are you guys going to join me in starting Sonny Gray? If he's bad in this start, you should drop him. I'm kind of feeling the same way, yeah. But yes, I, I think the Orioles are awful against right-handed pitchers. So if if he's not good against them, he's like Doug Fister. Quintana at Seth Lugo. Sir Quintana. I'm really interested to see what Seth Lugo does as a starter this time around. He's been good in the bullpen. Great, yeah. But we're not going to start him. Uh, Trevor Williams at Jack Flaherty. I'll start Flaherty. Phillies, Dodgers, Aaron Nola, and Kershaw, Tanner Roark, and Sean Newcomb. You feel good? You feel okay about Newcomb? Start both. You start them both. Shane Bieber at Jake Odorizzi. Uh, in a deeper league, you start Shane Bieber. In a ten-team league, you don't. I'm not starting either one of them. Odorizzi's been really good. All right, but it is the yeah. Odorizzi's been really lucky. Okay. Like if he maybe should have been my sell high, if I can get more for him than Matt Boyd, because he's been you pretty can. awful. <laughs> Uh, Drew Pomerantz at Lance McCullers. I'll start McCullers. Yep. Way and Chen at Jordan Lyles. I'll start Jordan Lyles against the Marlins. Yeah, I think I would too. Mike Miner at Wade LeBlanc. I'd start Miner as a spark. Let's finish up with some emails. Fantasy Baseball at CBSI.com. Uh, this email comes from Joe. Is it too early to have one eye on the playoffs? I'm wondering what to do with the following pitchers. Paxton, Nola, Snell, and Cole. Paxton, Nola, Snell, and Cole. All have performed remarkably well so far, but Paxton has injury concerns. Snell and Nola, potential innings limits. That's news to me, by the way. And, I don't believe that's, yeah, yeah I, don't I don't believe that true. to be the case. And Cole, this is uncharted territory. Should I be looking to try and sell maybe a combination of Snell and Paxton for Chris Sale or Corey Kluber or just enjoy the ride? I mean, I think that's just good process. If you can sell them for, for Corey Kluber or Chris Sale or Max Scherzer, Package two of them up and get it done. Is that a good trade? Paxton and Snell for yeah, a Super Yeah, that's race? a lot to get. Like the, You're giving up probably two top 20 guys yeah. to get. and I mean, Paxton might be a top 10 guy. That's a lot to give up. I, given yeah. how, like, I, just, I struggle to give up two good starting pitchers given how volatile starting pitcher is. I would, I would do that trade. Okay. Email from a person already in first place in the league says, Dear... Pete, Kevin, Andre, and Jenny. Is that the league? That's the league. Head-to-head points. Trying to trade Arietta. I already have an offer for Starling Marte, but I believe I could get D. Gordon instead. Should I do either? And which one should, would you take for Arietta, Marte or Gordon? I would rather have Marte. Yeah. Oh, solely because Gordon's coming back from a foot injury. That's the only. What reason. injury is Marte coming back from? Uh, it was a side. Yeah, oblique. Yeah. He is Those back. He is not back. Very though. good for hitters. He's back. Right, but he's he's back. He's playing. Yeah, and... I, I would take Marte. Uh, okay, Chris D'Amico in Santan Valley, Arizona. Who should he add in a points league? Mitch Moreland, Jorge Soler, or Brandon Nimmo? Jorge Soler. Yeah, I believe in Soler. is getting back on track. Had a big night last night. Evan from Chicago. Uh, let's see. Who should I pick up? Nimmo, Stassi, or another hitter? <laughs> 
And he is a daily you, league, so he'd be able to put in Stassi when Gary Sanchez sits, which isn't very often, by the way. I'd still probably go Nemo. Yeah. Uh, Scott in Oregon has a logjam in my outfield in a 14-team league. He wrote a 14-team to-do league. That's probably an autocorrect for a roto league. Who would you drop? Give me two to drop. Jake Lamb, Ian Desmond, Juan Soto, Puig, Polanco, Billy Hamilton, Conforto. Desmond for sure. I think well, Lamb. I, I I feel like Lamb, we haven't talked about him, but with the humidor, how good is Lamb going to be? I mean, maybe you could drop Puig instead of Lamb. I actually, and this one hurts, I I think Polanco would be the guy to drop just because he says he needs Hamilton steals. Well, you probably need Desmond then. I think I, and Puig will probably steal 15 bases. I think I would drop Polanco and Lamb. All right. Because of the concerns I about drop playing Lamb time. and Desmond. Don't drop Conforto or Soto. Put it that way. Uh, yeah. And last one is Greg from Atlanta. Dear Adam, Dave, Paul, and Larry. The Beatles. Is that you too? That is you too. First, good luck on the new tour. Second, please help me to decide what to do with Jay Bruce and Domingo Santana. I could drop them for Brandon Nimmo or Gorky Hernandez. I'm not to that point yet. I just hold on to them, but I am definitely less excited about them than I was at the beginning of the year. All right. Thank you for listening, everybody. Buy or sell tomorrow, although I did say that this time yesterday. Uh, for Kreef, I'm Adam. We'll talk to you then. See ya.